This Quadcast podcast is brought to you by the book Sitting in the Shade of Another Tree. For too long, people of faith have focused more on pointing out where other religions get it wrong. But what if we decided to focus more on all the ways those other religions get it right? This path might end up leading us into deeper understanding, connection, friendship, and peace. This was the idea behind the book that Choir Publishing and Pathios decided to assemble, gathering voices from different religious backgrounds who have learned to listen to those outside their own faith traditions. We hope that the wisdom they share with us here allows you to become more open to the truth and beauty to be found outside your own faith community. Sitting in the Shade of Another Tree, from Choir Publishing and Pathios, available now on Amazon. Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical. With your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. frog in my throat. What a way to start this show. Welcome back to another episode of Apostates Anonymous. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew J. DeStefano, joined with the incomparable Keith Giles. Say hello to the people. So glad to be here, uh, boys and girls, friends, uh, Romans, countrymen. (laughs) Um, Yeah, another exciting episode. Uh, We have some great things in store, lots to talk about. Um, It's going to be great. It's going to be a tremendous episode, and we're the only ones who can do it, folks. That's right. We're, it's going to be tremendous. That's right. We're, we're the, the only, only ones, ones who can, can do it. it. We're the only, the only ones. ones. Can... Hey, what what kind of what kind of nickname do you think Donald Trump would give you? That'd be a funny little app to create. If you're an app creator, yes. like you just oh. random, you put in your name, and then it hits random generator, and then it gives you like a Donald Trump name. Yes. Yes. Any, what, what any tech you? people out there? You got ten thousand dollars to to put into a little app. Well, I, I, bet already, you, I bet you'd find your return on, on the Apple store. And probably. Yeah, I bet you would. I mean, I've already got a nickname, right? Old Man Giles. That's my nickname. Yeah, but you're like, yeah, but to him, you're like 20 years younger, right? 25 years younger, 30 That's years That's true. Younger. Yeah, he can't call me that. Yeah. So no, that wouldn't work. That's funny for us. But yeah, for him, know. no, it'd have to be, it'd have to be something else. So maybe, maybe um, find us on social media. Uh, let us go. know. Suggest. What do you Suggest think are a Trumpism Trump name for either yeah. one of us? That's right. Yes, yeah. please, both of us. Don't pick on me. I think we should equally. No, you'd spread. have to. You'd have to find some sort of like Gumby reference to me because I'm tall and thin. <laughs> That's right. But see, people don't know that listening to the podcast. Yeah, How do I know, they know but you're if you tall see pictures of me, the then you're like that guy looks like a tall guy. Only if they see pictures of you next to me. Dude, then that they're picture like, is, I got to call the. If, if for those who don't remember. Yes. Back in the day, back in the day, day, um, when we used to do live Heretic Happy Hour shows in SoCal uh, <laughs> with Jamal and Keith, Jamal's got Jamal's be, shorter what, than me, by the way. Five, yeah. five, five, yeah. four. Yeah, I'm like, and five, I'm six seven, four. Yeah, and you're six four. And next, it looked you like guys you were is, standing on it, a chair. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, I got to find that picture. And now that I've, now that I've got some graphic design skill, I, I think, I think a wizard and his two Hobbit friends would make a, a pretty funny meme. That would be hilarious. Yes. 
or we can maybe send that to Ralph and see if he has some time. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but anyway, yes. we do have an episode uh, for you today. And uh, we do have a sponsor that is probably mm. as unrelated to the topic as <laughs> you right. possibly get. That's right. Though I'm sure we'll try to make some sort of connection. So here we go. Hello, I'm Brandy Meadows, president and CEO of Hot Moms for Jesus. And I want to talk to you about a serious danger to our children in America's classrooms, the Bible. Now, I love the Bible as much as any hot-blooded American woman, but the Bible clearly says that books like the Bible have no place in an elementary school classroom. I mean, any book that includes a three-way between a daddy and his twin daughters should be kept hidden under mommy's side of the bed next to the anal beads and the fuzzy handcuffs, not read out loud to third graders after recess. You know, nothing gives my hubby a chubby, like the chapter where Solomon compares his lover's large breasts to ripe pomegranates, and that chapter about the woman lusting after her lovers with genitals like a horse and emissions like a donkey, oh, it really gets me hot. But any book that has bukkake in it has no place in our kids' classrooms. Bring that stuff to mama. Anyone who's read the Bible knows that the Bible is way too hot for anyone under 21. So let's do our part to keep it daddy's little secret and mommy's guilty pleasure the way God intended. So for the love of God, please go to hotmomsforjesus.com and sign our petition to keep this naughty Bible away from children out of our classrooms and safely locked behind the counter at the 7-Eleven with the glow-in-the-dark dildos and the Trojan extra-ribbed condoms where they belong. Oh, I had a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, come on. But you know it's true. Listen, it's it, hopefully it's funny, but it's also true. Uh, when we were, st- like when we, Winnie and I, our kids were little, I mean, you know, like, little, like even before elementary school, like, you know, for bedtime, we're like, we'll just read them a Bible. And at first we're like, you know, we don't have to read them a children's Bible. We'll just read the real Bible. And we made it like, what, two chapters. And then it's like, uh, these are things I don't want to explain to my small child, like murder, rape, incest. Um, yeah, a lot of freaky stuff. The Bible is a freaky book. It's kind of a, kind of a naughty, freaky book. Well, didn't by their own, uh, standards, Get yeah. the ban. Get the Bible banned in Utah. Is that the right state? I think Somewhere so. Like yeah. That? Yeah. Well, the this, the kinda... dictionary got banned in Florida because it it contains, it contains definitions of sexual it terms. It defined it defined bukkake. It defined bukkake, <laughs> orgasm, dildo, penis. You know the whole thing. So they had to pull the, the freaking dictionary, dude. This is the level of lunacy that they we're pulled at. dictionary because it had it had the word. Uh, dick and they were in dick it. in it. Yeah. Or dick. Look at me pulling yeah. out all the sound bites for today. Well, it's important to pull out. <laughs> <laughs> oh a man! Two for one. I can yeah. joke about a two for one. Um, anyway, yes, we have a topic for today. Yes, and it's a. Do sexy you want to get into it? <laughs> it's a hot and sexy topic. We can't wait to get into. Um. Yeah, it's uh well, I don't know what we're going to call it exactly, but it's 
uh, we want to talk about something other than theology for a while, although we'll probably get into some theology. <clears throat> Not to be um, theological, but yeah. Right. In a different um, way. In a different way. More, this, is more on the, this is more under the arts and culture you know, side of things, um, scholarship, but because not we're, we're cultured. We're, we're cultured individuals here. <laughs> As you can <laughs> tell from the, from the commercial <laughs> we just ran. <laughs> um, but we want to talk a little bit about Matthew's favorite author and some of his favorite books of all time. Um, of course, I'm talking about the author J.R.R. Tolkien and his Lord of the Rings and Hobbit and all that other stuff that's out there. Um, and when I, but I thought we would it'd be interesting to not just talk about that, but maybe talk about his relationship and comparison with um, his good friend, C.S. Lewis, who also wrote sort of fantasy kinds of stories that had spiritual themes, but they both took very different approaches. And even though they were really good friends, they also kind of clashed over some of these things. Um, and, you know, they created some tension in their friendships. Well, I think, yeah, creatively, for sure. Clive sure. Staples, what a name, huh? Mm-hmm. That's a cool name, though. I do like Clive that. Clive Staples. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest comparison, or the most, you know, the most common comparison is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia series. There's yes. seven of them, I believe, right in the whole series. Something. Yeah. But, um, I, I actually, I'm so I'm doing, um. I have my medic theory and middle earth coming out this year. And then the third book will be a collection of letters. And I asked my mom to um, ask me a question that I'm including in there and Keith, you're in there as well. Um, but her question was about um, basically uh, is, is the Lord of the Rings a Christian allegory or something? Yeah. Because um, a lot of people do think it is and would argue that right. it is right. They would argue that it is. Aragorn is, I don't know, somebody. And then like Gandalf is Jesus because he dies and comes back. And Well, I think I think the more maybe nuanced argument would be that like um, Aragorn is the kingly messiah. Um, yeah. Frodo is the suffering servant. Mm-hmm. And um, Gandalf, yeah, is the right. The resurrected priest or something. The resurrected. Um, yeah. Right. So, I mean, in, in Judaism, right, there there are two Messiah types, right? There's the kingly and the priestly. Yeah, um, there's a suffering which, servant, and then there's the, the, right. the king yeah, of there's Judah. All, yeah. Right, there's all those imagery. I, I would, you know, my my answer to her, in short, I guess, without giving away too much of the plot, but I guess I'll have to, um, it's kind of just that these themes precede Christianity, right? So Tolkien... Uh, was influenced by like Finnish and Norse and Anglo-Saxon mythology. Mm-hmm. And what Christians need to understand is that these stories, go, I mean, the, the story of a dying and rising son of God is not unique yeah. to Jesus, nor is Jesus the first. Right. And, and I think you've talked about this, right? I think you, you've done articles for Pathios. Yeah. On kind of the comparison. It, it doesn't yeah. mean, it doesn't discredit Jesus' story. It's no. just to say that the stories have been going around a while and they precede Christianity. Right. Yeah, the idea of of a god or a demigod or a you know, uh, someone like a son of God, right? Who who dies, goes into the underworld, and returns in some form or another. Um, mm-hmm. That yeah, that that is a common recurring theme in mythology. Yeah. You know, Joseph Campbell's really great about that too. He covers all that stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah, so that that would be my my first point to her, and then and then I do compare like Narnia. I think Narnia is an allegory for for Christ. That's more. That's more, more of direct, a, straight allegory. <clears throat> allegory, Allegorn, uh, Aslan. Aslan. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine Aragorn with a lion head now. Um, Allegorn, Aslan is like. I mean, what else is? That? I mean, I I make a joke, and I guess you know, take a little bit of a low blow that. Lewis doesn't even change Peter's name, right? Yeah, it's Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peter. It's like, oh man, can we be more on the nose? That I think, and I think that's what Tolkien probably, yeah, meant when he said he didn't really like allegory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because it's too obvious, right? I mean, yeah, um, like when you even if you, I mean, you know, so I, I only read the Chronicles of Narnia um, as an adult. We were reading them to our kids. Um, and I loved them. I thought they were really beautiful. I think they're great. I think they're great children's stories. And I do think there are layers to the allegory side of it that really only the adults are going to pick up on that the kids are not going to pick up on. You know, they're just, they just think it's a story about a talking lion and adventures fighting witches and goblins and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, when, when I'm reading it as an adult to my kids, it, there were like points where I would stop and be like, oh, wow. I see what he did there. That's kind of cool. But, um, but it, so, you know, I guess it depends on how you approach it. I, I liked it. I appreciated yeah. it, but it is so obvious. Like, okay. So when you, even when you watch the Chronicles of Narnia movie, it, you know, the, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe movie, I mean, it's so freaking obvious, right? Aslan dying on the, on the stone and then rising again and the stone cracks and, and all this stuff, you know, and is he safe? No, he's not safe, but he's good. Like, I mean, it's pretty obvious what's going on here, right? There's not not a lot of mystery. And I think that's you know, that's what we're talking would be like, yeah, but I like pulling it out of that such an obvious biblical framework. And let's just tell great stories that that pull some of these themes without just outright, you know, copying them. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, when Tolkien almost contradicts himself when he says that it's like a pre-Christian story, all his stories are pre-Christian, but then he also says that it's a Catholic story. I think we have to remember that like, Catholic just means like universal or through the whole. There you go. And, and, and so in that way, it's like, the Christian truths in Lord of the Rings or, or even in the Hobbit um, are universal truths and therefore they're Christian truths, not Christian truths. Therefore they're universal. Right. Oh, that's a great, that, that is a great way to look at it. Cause in a way they're both getting, they're both including those elements, but they're coming at them from different directions. Right. And they're, they're right. one of them is prioritizing one over the other. I think so. Right. And I, and I think Lewis is taking Christian you know, themes and then creating something out of that. And to- and and Lewis needs something for him to create an allegory. Tolkien doesn't need the Christian story to create the Lord of the Rings, being that it's pre-Christian. Then if the Christian story came around and looked back at the Lord of the Rings, it would say to the Lord of the Rings, there's truths in that, but they're universal truths that we both share. Right. There are things that Lewis has to write. He thinks he has to do if he's going to mm-hmm. follow the frame, the rigid framework. Driven by Christian his story. theology and interpretation right. of the Christian story. Yeah. And you got to, you got to imagine 
that as Lewis is writing parts of Chronicles of Narnia, um, he's thinking to himself, um, how can I, how can I sort of bury this, the, the gospel message in this story in a way that people who aren't Christian might get it right. It's a little bit evangelistic, right? It feels that way. It feels a bit yeah, like I think that's what all allegory like that's yeah, going to be. It feels yeah. like a precursor to what we have today, which is sort of the Christian subculture, right? Where yeah, let's write a love song, but it's make it about Jesus. Yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, I, I, and what's interesting, and yeah. And I, I don't know if Tolkien intended this uh, at all, but what's kind of interesting is that. I mean, first of all, like the, comparing the Lord of the Rings to the Lion, the Witch of the Wardrobe is kind of unfair to both because I, I, one's a children's story. Like I would be more inclined to compare The Hobbit with uh, with the Narnia. Lion. Yeah. But what's 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 brilliant about Tolkien is that Tolkien did that on purpose because The Hobbit's written by Bilbo, who also writes the first part of the Lord of the Rings. And then as Lord of the Rings at a certain point, then the writing style changes because that's then Frodo writing. And oh. it becomes a different writing. So like, it's almost like this ownage, like the, like Tolkien's owning everyone by saying like, oh no, my character's right in a certain way. That's why I'm translating this in yeah. the way I am because there's different people writing different parts of the story that we call the Lord of the Rings. Interesting. And you're like, oh my God, this guy's next level. Like, come See, on. I have never read the Lord of the Rings anything so, or Hobbit. So I did what you just said right there. I did not know that. I mean, just imagine writing a story like that. Like you're just writing, you're writing in completely different prose because yeah. different people are telling this part of the story that is really a trans, an English translation of an ancient language. And being that he was a linguist and a philologist and knew like 15 to 20 different languages and created actual languages, mm -hmm. he can claim that and create a mythology that Lewis just simply doesn't create. So can I just say this, this might, this might be, controversial to Tolkien fans and to you, maybe, I don't know. Hopefully this doesn't offend you, but just as an outsider looking in and I'm aware of those kinds of layers of, the, of depth and things that the Tolkien brought to his series and to his books. But you know, it doesn't, it seem a little bit like showing off like, Oh, look at this. I'm going to write a whole language here and look at me. I'm going to create this whole other backstory and culture. And you know, um, like, look, look at me, look what I'm doing. Instead of like, just dude, shut up and tell me a story. Well, that's what the Lord of the Rings is. It's a, it's a really lengthy narrative. Yeah, but he he was just. But there's layers, you know what I mean? And and like, are those layers necessary, or are they just like overkill? Well, what are you trying to do? Like, are you? I mean, he's. I don't. I don't view Tolkien as. I say it in one of my letters. I can't remember where already. I've said it, and I'm just writing these, so there's a lot still to be said. Um, that I don't think of Tolkien first and foremost as the author of the Lord of the Rings. I, I see him as a linguist and a historian and a philologist who created an entire world because that's what his interest was. Then he decided to tell a story from that world because he was interested in telling a story. Yes. Um, so the Lord of the Rings comes after the creation of Middle Earth and, and, and the mythology that goes into what we now call the Silmarillion and all those stories that are, they read like the King James version of, of Genesis. That's right. Um, so it's tough sledding. It's not the first book I'd recommend reading. So, uh, But the you. stories come out of that because his, his interest is in mythology and creating language. Yeah. 
So, so let me ask you something because I, I I think I've heard this um, from somewhere. Something I was watching um, suggested this um, that whereas Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia is using the Bible as sort of like he's sort of retelling the the stories of the Bible through his you know uh, mm-hmm. he's he's pointing to biblical and stealing and borrowing quote unquote from biblical narratives to tell his story, but that Tolkien is borrowing yes from mythology, but isn't he also using like the great war and world war two as uh, uh as part of his narrative as well like the, this idea of like these forces of good coming together to fight the forces of evil have a sort of a world war kind of thing because he was he in the war or it happened around the time he started writing it right yeah like yeah so he got trench fever from the war yeah, a bunch exactly. of his friends died yeah um and and it really kind of saved his life, I guess, right? Because he gets shipped back to England. He doesn't go back to the front lines. Yeah. Um, and shit, like how many people yeah. died in World War One? I? I don't have the figures in front of me, but a lot. Um, and so yeah, I think that imp- I think that impacted his his view of war. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is that every time there's a war in the Lord of the Rings, like nothing's really, the war isn't really championed in the Lord of the Rings. Like the final battle isn't what saves middle earth. Um, it's there just to distract so that Frodo can take the ring to Mordor. Like it's, yeah, it's not, it's not like any of the battles are like, Oh, the good guys went and conquered evil and conquered this place now. Um, so, I, and I think that, and then, and then there's the, the part in the books that is left out of the movies when the Shire uh, gets overtaken by war and industry mm. and that, that was Tolkien. I think um, I'm not saying he's making an allegory of war being brought to England's shores, but, but the lesson there that war isn't just some, um, especially as a, co- a colonizing country like England, war yeah. isn't just something that's out there in those countries. It's almost like the fuck around and find out if you continue in war, it'll come to your shores eventually. That's and when it'll, the chickens if, come home to roost. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And so, so now, I don't think that's an, your problem. Yeah. 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 So I think World War One teaches us that uh, World War Two Two teaches us that and, and the scouring of the Shire teaches us that. Um, and now, but, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's an overlap as well. Right. Because in um, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Before the children go into the wardrobe and discover Narnia, um, the reason that they're there is they were shipped off, right? What happened it was World War II, right? Parents II. Were sh- shipped their kids off out into the country to be away from the city so because of the, the bombings were going on. Um, mm-hmm. So Lewis is, is including – Lewis is also influenced by the war. Sure. Um it influences the story, but pretty much once the children get into Narnia, I, I think, I mean, if he's trying to say something in the Narnia parts about war, I don't think I really get it. Maybe the last battle has something like that, but I think he's still trying to retell revelation. He's not trying to, to say, to draw parallels to, um, you know, what's really, what really historically was going on. And I think my, my question or my point is that, Tolkien seems to be wanting to tell a story about humanity and human nature, whereas mm-hmm. Lewis is telling a story that's spiritual themes and, uh, you know, I, I would, I would say like, 
Yeah, I would say one is pre-Christian, one is post-Christian. Like yeah. Lewis's <clears throat> the fact that the uh, the children are in 1940s London, which means it's post-Christian, right? It's yeah. 1940s. So the story that happens is happening after Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it, it almost must be an allegory for Jesus. Yeah. Um, but the Lord of the Rings is 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 prior to that. Um, oh yeah, exactly. It, it's this far far history. Yeah. Right. I think even Tolkien, like when he's talking about it, it's like in the third and fourth age. And we're now maybe in like the seventh or eighth age. So it's it's us telling a mythology of an ancient time. So that's another um, question I have for you. You can maybe add this to your book. <laughs> maybe an anonymous I'm question. Only giving people, I'm only giving people one question though. My okay, goal is 33 uh, Here's people. an anonymous question that just came in on my text here. Um, okay. So um, <laughs> now I just forgot the question. Now you just forgot it. Uh, uh, old man Giles. Do we play um, the old man Giles soundbite? Yeah, if you can, can to you play find or that? not to play? Oh, I'm sure it's here. Well, I'm thinking of, of what I was going to say. Um, old man Giles. There it is. Yeah, there you go. Um, damn it, I really forgot what I was about to say. Um, what were you talking about before? You were talking about Tolkien creating mythology. And, no, no, and before Lewis that. Is I was talking about the war, post-Christian. Lewis is being post-Christian. and I, I think that I was talking about the truths. I mean, the, I think the truths of, of Tolkien's mythologies. I think Tolkien is just trying to create something that when we look back, we, we look back and see a mythology that would have actually been written in this kind of way. Oh, thank you. I finally got the, the question I was going to ask see, you. Okay, so. It's, it takes um, the stone guy to re-trigger Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I've always wondered this, like, you know, again, I've, I have only watched the movies. Uh, so Lord of the Rings. So I, I haven't read the books, but on the one hand, it seems to be, like you said, an ancient story of the, a long, you know, like Star Wars a long time ago. But is it supposed to be a story about plant, something that literally happened on planet Earth? Or is it another planet? Because it feels to me like this isn't Earth we're talking about. This is another planet with a different geography mm. and different races of beings, right? Because there's no hobbits here. There's no, you know, elves. Yeah. And like, so it, you know, it, so it feels like this is another planet, another story of another, you know, a completely different other place. It's not Earth. Okay. The I, don't ice, know, ice. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Which is it? I see your I see your point, and I raise you Nephilim, and I raise you Enoch, and I raise you every ancient story that holy shit that must have happened on Leviathan and dragons okay. in the Bible. I see. This is a mythology. So I mean, and how about like Egyptian mythologies, and how about yeah, ancient Norse mythologies, and so and Sisyphus since the Bible is clearly history, and the, all those things really did happen: talking donkeys, talking snakes. Uh, Nephilim having sex with people and creating yeah. giants because all that's real. Lord of the Rings is real. It really happened. It's history. So, yeah. Look, it's written but, down. Yeah. You can read it right there. <clears throat> yeah. So I would I would say did the I mean the asking did the things in the Silmarillion really happen is is the, as boring a question as asking did the things in Genesis really happen like um you know right. what I mean it's, like yeah. like this is yeah. this is yeah, the, what happened in the Silmarillion is elves. Elves for the, I think, El, yeah, elves wrote all the parts of the Silmarillion um, originally. Elves are boring the mytho- well, really boring. Elves, well, elves wrote the mythologies that I think that we Bilbo translated into Westron, which Tolkien translated into English. That's how Tolkien's thinking of the shit. And so, 
what so we can only know like the bible right we mm. can only know what tolkien said bilbo said the elves said because this language you know i w- these are based on old stories that have been written down and and kept in rivendell or something right so yeah so it's in the same way what did the bible really say we don't know because how many how many all these edited edits that go through and translations and redactions and all these so so uh, is the original tolkien uh, in the original uh, you know the original copies is that inspired Oh yeah, of course. Just inspired. like the, I would say it's all inspired, man. Right? Yeah, but again, what do we mean? What do we mean by inspiration? Do we mean yeah. God dictated this <laughs> to Tolkien because this actually literally happened, or is it is it um, inspired because it is telling us the truth about uh, human nature and things like? You know what the the things that lead us to war, the things that you know, things like pride, hubris, um, right, desire the, for know, power, desire <laughs> for power. How how war destroys yeah. not just people and civilization, but also the earth and the environment and things like that. Yeah, well, the latter, what you just said, is much more interesting and foundational to where I'm at. Like, yeah, that's what I mean by inspired. Like anything that does that, that that sheds a light to that shit. Yeah, didn't inspired. you get called so, woke by by someone that reviewed the Hobbit um, book about because you you pulled in all this liberal stuff about the environment? I don't I don't think he used the word woke, but well, I that think he was suggesting he was that suggesting that, was that it artificial was, it, you, it was politicized because I made something about climate change, and I I and and that therefore is political. And I for one, I don't see climate change as political as such. Like everything gets politicized, that doesn't discredit the thing itself, right? Right. Um it's happening. It's real. It's, yeah. Like it's not um right. Yeah. So that was my point. And all I did was I did not say he seemed to suggest that I was saying that Tolkien was like almost talking about climate change. I never said that. Tolkien didn't use that language because that's not the language they had when he wrote the book. Mm-hmm. But I just saw a parallel between the warnings of like when Saruman pushes too deep into Fangorn forest, cuts down all the trees. Yep. What eventually happens? The floods come and take away all his shit. Like the, the forest fights back. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well that's a, that's a lesson to be had there. Like, look, look what's happening with, with us in the modern age. We yes. now call that climate change. That yes. that was like what I suggested. And then that's that becomes a, valid, a woke agenda. Yeah. And I'm like, what that's the fuck? That's a valid point, though. Right. How do you miss that? I mean, how do you deny that that is part of the story? Because, like, again, even in the movies, you pick up on that. That, like, yeah. And I think that, Jackson that, does a great job of, of yeah. doing a lot, like, portraying a lot of what Tolkien was putting down yeah. on, on his typewriter, you know? Mm hmm. So right, let me ask you that then, because I have a lot. I know a lot. I have a lot of friends who are huge Tolkien nerds who read all the books multiple times as kids, and when the movies came out, all I heard were complaints about well, that didn't happen and this didn't happen and you know they didn't really do this and that scene wasn't in the book and they left out the guy that bard that sings the songs and where's that guy and you know so uh, I'm curious, do are you a fan of the films? Does it? How much does it bother you that he made that he took artistic liberties with the story? He left things out. Yeah. He put things in that weren't there. He changed certain characters. Um, what are your feelings on that? So when we're talking about 
Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings, right? Yes, yes. As opposed to The Hobbit, that's a different conversation. Totally I different. Particularly, yeah. I didn't like oh, The Hobbit necessarily. We'll talk about Hobbit in a minute. Let's, but I want Lord we'll of the Rings. That, okay. The epic, let's, massive trilogy. It was one of the, the greatest trilogies one. of cinematic history. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first of all, I think the people you're talking to, it sounds like those people who that is their way of showing how much they know. Uh-huh. So they can prove how much they know as opposed to what everyone else might know because you have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, and I about, hate right? that. I hate people who are like, that never happened. Right, yeah, right. The book doesn't so, say that. So I think there's a time and place for having that conversation. Like right now, and, and like well, I could point out all the differences, but I'm not here to like stroke my ego on how much I know about Tolkien. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not what it's about. But that so you're always going to have those changes. This is, you cannot... Like you can't in the books, you can't have Frodo find the ring and then seventeen years later, like <laughs> you, <laughs> this, the on the screen seventeen years later. Yeah, what? like what the fuck? You have to make it seem like he found the ring and is like, "Yo, we got to go now, Let's right?" Go. Because yeah. this is a movie. Like they're long enough, right? Right. So there, I think if you get mad about those changes, you probably just don't understand how different different mediums have to yes be have to be tailored in certain ways right yes um i think the the, the big omissions are tom bombadil That's which i understand i understand both sides to the to the argument because i i i personally love tom bombadil but i have to admit that in a cinematic format he doesn't necessarily drive the plot right um tolkien's trying to create like almost a fairy story where there is enigmas in the world that we can't name. Yeah. Like it's not a ca- it's, there's not a category in the metaphysical hierarchy like god, angels, devils, people. Like we've all had those cosmologies and Tom Bombadil comes around and Tom Bombadil references Tom Bombadil. So and, and so but that doesn't work in a movie necessarily where you're yeah. You're already at three and a half hours, four hours on some of these <laughs> extended releases. And here's another um, character who's going to take us. Right. Little... And he's and he's not going to show up again except in conversation like later. Yeah. Um, and the, But the big one that I and, – and I understand the last the, – the omission of the scouring of the Shire at the end of the movie or at the end of the books that's omitted in the movie. There's already like eight endings in The Return of the King. Oh, so yeah, adding, thank you. Yes. Adding another one, I understand – I, I'm just upset that that's the one that gets cut because that's the one in Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. That's the one where the hero returns different and has yes. to bestow boons and blessings upon his people. Yes. And the hobbits never get to do that. And, and I think that that would, that misses the whole hero's journey. Whereas uh, the coronation uh, of King. well, we need the coronation of the king. Oh, yeah. But do we Big need time. all the details of all these endings? I think that's that's one that's really important, and I get a little bummed out that it's missing <clears throat> in the movies. Yeah, you get you get you'll, you get only a glimpse of what could happen when you know you have these visions of of the Shire falling to you know orcs, but right. it never actually happens. So the heroes never actually get to. They come back, and the hobbits are just as stupid. Pardon the, the, the <laughs> right. vulgar. The vulgar word I used for them. They're just as stupid and ignorant about what happened. They have no yeah. clue that anything they're ever happened. Bubble, I'm like, they're completely oblivious to the, how, what the world like, is really like. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Well, shit. That leaves a huge narrative off. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, I agree with you that I think that's very fascinating, actually. Um, 
Heather Hamilton and I were talking about that. Well, she she told me about it. She sent me a graphic. Uh, it's like a little wheel, a little circle of the heroes. Yeah, I've journey. used it. Yeah, I've Campbell. used it before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and <clears throat> what's funny is that that sort of completing the circle and that return, the hero sort of return back to the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, is uh, the reason she shared it with me is that like it's kind of like where I where I feel like I'm at right now in my spiritual journey. Like mm-hmm. I'm at a place of like that whole thing about you know uh, building the new without fighting the old is a bit of that, like, how do I bring the new back to my tribe that I'm, that I used to be with that I'm that I've left. And yeah. so I get that it's an important part of that journey for everybody, but, but, uh, in, in the artistic side of things, like I think about the other sort of great cinematic trilogy, right? Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Sure. Um, it also ignores that part of the journey, right? There is no, Luke doesn't go back to, to Tatooine and you know, restore the evils of what the empire has done uh, yeah. to his people, and, and rebuild the farm or whatever. You know, um, yeah. So it seems like that's but, that's a missing does, ingredient in yeah. general in storytelling, uh, at least for in the West. We don't include that. Typically, I can't even think of a movie that does that. Which is ironic because uh, George Lucas was a huge follower yes. of Joseph Campbell's thought. Yeah, but but the but Star Wars is is more open ended, right? Like this is a universe that then takes on uh, uh, graphic novels, uh, oh, comic it's books, like, so expansive. And and so, what Luke's story is afterward doesn't doesn't that happen? Like I, I think Disney botched the new yes. movies, yes. but doesn't he go on to like start an academy? Right. Yeah, in the novels, I, I think that's can- in the novels. What's canon? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Star Wars nerd, so I yeah, don't know. I'm what's not canon. either. I, I'm not either. So I'm. I'm sure I'm going to botch this. Listeners, if you know, yeah, I'm sure you can write in and correct us. Don't come but, in and be like, well, actually, <laughs> well, actually, that's not what happened. <laughs> but as far as my vague, fuzzy memory of the graphic novels and the and the novels, which I again, I had friends who read them and were really into them. Um. The graphic novels don't follow the novel. So like the, the graphic novels have a story, I think, where Luke does eventually turn to the dark side mm. um, with the Emperor. But it's to kill the Emperor because the Emperor has been cloning himself and he's going to put himself in a younger body or something like that. That's called the Dark Empire. There's a Dark, dark Empire graphic novel trilogy. And that's really cool. I've read that. But in the novels, I think he gets married. He has like twins. He has kids. Um, and then he does start a Jedi Academy, right? So that's probably the hero's journey part, right? In, in the, yeah, those yeah. in the novels, that now he's gone back. He's now the old. Mm-hmm. He's like the Obi Wan. He's the old master. Yeah. He's training these young Padawans. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's that's how I would see it. Um, I that's that's where I think to the Star Wars thing butchered it. Like you've got yeah, um, the Finn, yeah. Finn in 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 number seven, like. He doesn't take any of this sort of thing. Like you've got this whole journey of Luke finding out about the Force, yes, and and, and going through these trials and tribulations, and see, yeah. yeah, seeing his father Darth in, in, in the cave and cutting his head off in the, yeah. in the vision and going through all this shit. And then Finn comes along and picks up a lightsaber and is just like, and yeah. just like fucking just going with it. Like, yeah, what this is, is that? like this ancient yes. weapon of the Jedi? Yeah, and you become one with it, like. Yeah, you use it with the along with the. I mean, he just picks it up and is and like just wielding it, it like, like it's a fucking sword, like he's a fucking ninja or some shit. Yeah, exactly. I hate it all. Yeah, that. no, you're right. I, the movies, 
to me, the only real Star Wars movies are those first three movies. Um, uh, anything the closed canon your canon of star wars is way yes. more close you're like the you're the marcion of uh of, of star that's right wars. i am i am the marcion of star wars and make this, and a, make so, this a clip for social media keith yeah. giles is the marcion of star wars universe. i am well people say i'm the marcion of other things as well of, of they, they have Christianity accused as me well. of that too yeah but um yeah not only star which wars, is which is ironic because the canon for me is open that's yeah, opposite exactly. of marcion right but yeah in reality yeah i would say for theology, the canon is open. It's it's yeah. it includes everything and anything that you anything Including that speaks to Tolkien you and you. and I would put those three movies episode three four and, sure no yeah, four five and six right yeah four five and six yeah the first three films but um but I'm even more of a Martianite when it comes to uh, the Matrix. There's only one Matrix film. There's only the first one, Matrix. one, and that's, that's the only it. One I saw there are none. The other ones are don't exist. Um, because that first one does everything so well. It is so great. It's self-contained. It does not need, should never have had sequels. The sequels get progressively worse you know and they just screw it up. You know what I hate about the matrix and it has no, no fault of the matrix's own. This is just proof we could butcher anything and cringe anything yeah. up is when like right wingers use the blue pill, red pill, uh, analogy the in their the favor. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Take the sheeple. red pill. Take the red pill, sheeple. See, red for Republican. For Republican, <laughs> see, it's right there. It's right there. Because we all know, right, that the Wachowski uh, sisters now, um, the the Wachowskis uh, were totally MAGA people, right? They were totally into the Republican. As all thing. as all true good artists are, you've got yeah, like Ted Nugent, Kid Rock, <laughs> Scott Bayo, Kevin Sorbo, yeah, all the oh great actors. <laughs> um, what's the guy? <laughs> The guy, the, the the one you would add to that list, uh, what's his name? John Voight. Um, John Voight. George George used to drive John Voight's car. Really? You don't know the Seinfeld rep- uh, reference? Come on. Oh, Keith. that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, sorry. It's John Seinfeld. Car. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, what's the other guy's wood? Something wood. Woods. Oh yeah, James Wood. James Woods. That guy's a. F- I mean, I liked him as an actor, but he just went off the rails. I like and that they made I, fun of him on Family Guy. <laughs> Yeah, and then the guy from uh, from Dukes of Hazard, right? He did he did think about he called for Biden mm. to be executed. Like, you see, they, they they just keep they can't hold it in, right? They have to, you know, they have to show us who they really are and tweet stupid things. I've known some MAGA people that are into Tolkien. I'm um, so like, okay. How does that work? Help me understand that. Are we repeating the same the same thing here, buddy? <laughs> No, but they don't. But they don't read. Um, I don't know. I, I, no, no. I mean, shit. How are MAGA people followers of Jesus? Like I, that's right. How are they? How do they read the Gospels? I, I don't do understand that. How do they read that. the Gospels? Like, how do you follow Jesus? And you're like, definitely right wing capitalist. Yeah, you go on Sunday morning and you sing songs to worship a brown skinned immigrant <laughs> refugee who talk, talked like, well, all, all about it. caring for the poor and the orphan and the widow. Woe to those who are rich. And you think that guy wears a red hat. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We're in the fucking upside down, bro. We are. You know, the theory, right, is that um, when they did the Hadron Collider, you know, a few years ago. They that put they us actually, in the upside down? They sent us into an alternate reality now. We're, <laughs> we're now living it? in- 2015? Yes. They did that. Serious? 
That, they did that. Actually, they did it right before Trump became president. And then so Pete, there's a theory that says what we are living in now is this – they threw us into this alternate timeline where crazy things – it's a bizarro world where like a reality star from a TV show could become the president and capture – you know, the imagination of half of the people and uh, the imagination of evangelical Christians who are supposed to be this moral. Was, nah, and, you know, that's they, funny, they, but this shit was brewing forever. It is weird though. I mean, sometimes I do wonder like, can, am I really, cause it does feel like something happened uh, around that time that like, am I living in reality now? Cause it, I guess it just but what feels if it's, weird. What if it's a, it's a multiverse? There's all sorts of realities and this is, well, that's this, the got, idea. this one got weird. There is a multiverse, but like they, when they threw the hadron, the, the switch on the hadron collider, we flipped it, into it one of them. We merged us into one of the wacky, one of the weird multiverses that we we don't belong here. We're not supposed to be here. I want to. Can we can we reverse this? Is there some way we can go back and reverse the polarity and send us back? We got to ask Missy. She'll flip it and reverse it. We need it. Please flip it. Please we need you, Missy. It. Please, please flip it. Somebody, please it. Missy or somebody, anybody, please do it. If anyone could do it, it'd be Missy. She's a queen. Uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah so know. so Tolkien. We, so we were going to talk about the Hobbit. <clears throat> um, I guess the movie, right? They because um, again, I love Lord oh, of the, the Rings. I remember well, sitting in the theater yeah. when when the Return of the King, you know, did its third or fourth ending. It finally ended after a very long time. Um, I remember turning next to Wendy and just saying, "George Lucas, eat your heart out." He like this was the greatest cinematic trilogy I've ever seen in my life. Like I, nothing in my mind could ever top this. And it probably still uh, is, to be honest with you. It's so good, um, especially knowing he basically filmed it as one one giant film and just cut it into three. You know, it's yeah. insane to me that he filmed all that at once and then just cut it into three films. Um, but so, so then when the Hobbit movie, you know, you see the ads and it's Peter Jackson, like, oh, dude, this is going to be great. Wah, wah. No, it was so, so dumb and so bad. At least that was my opinion. I'm just, what, what are your feelings about the Hobbit movie? Was it a win? No, there's, there's just not enough source material for, it's just like when you're, when you're taking the Hobbit is like it's a short what, thing. 200 and some odd pages. Yeah. The, the fellowship of the ring is like four or 500 pages. Right. So right. that's right. So you're making you're making a movie out of a 500-page book. Two Lord movies. Of the Rings. Isn't there, there are two Hobbit movies? They cut There's it into three. two. No, but I mean like The Fellowship of the three? Ring. They mean three? There's the three Fellowship Hobbit? of the Ring is 500 and some odd, let's say 500 pages. And you're making a movie out of that. The yeah. Hobbit is 200 and some odd pages and you're making three. Well, then, so, so they invented, they added a whole bunch of stuff, right? They had, they stretched things too far out. Then they got way too silly with some of the cinematography and, and choices in that. Oh yeah, when when Legolas but, is like jumping on rocks yeah, as they're falling just, in the air. Come on, dude. It's a bit silly. So silly. Um, they didn't and then there's like they're floating down the river in the barrels. That was another scene that was like it was just comedy. It was like, is this the Three Stooges? I just it yeah, just it was, felt really dumb. Yeah, it didn't. There wasn't. It didn't feel serious a lot of times. Yeah. And 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 but mistakes. it's not it's like it's not really high. You know, it, it it's it's serious, but it's again like I don't know. It's why I kind of didn't like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It was just like kind of a children's. They they should have made it more of a kids' movie, like almost like it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 
Well, they it, were, it just seemed like a money maker to me. Like, let's make three movies out of this. Why? So you can have three releases oh, no. and just no. That's what I was going to say about the Hobbit. The stratosphere. Yeah, to me, that's the thing with the Hobbit, and 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 honestly, for me, what the Hobbit feels like is that um, the decision. I would say the decision for Peter Jackson to make the Lord of the Rings trilogy was a labor of lifelong love for the source material. So much mm-hmm. energy, creativity, collaboration, you know, heart and soul went into creating that amazing Lord of the Rings trilogy. Then it made a shitload of money. And then this, then now suddenly there was pressure from the studio to quickly fast track a Hobbit trilogy. And mm-hmm. then now probably under, contr- under contractual agreement, Jackson, who's exhausted after making these three films, you know, back to back has to immediately turn around and do three more movies that did not have as much time and attention. Like he should have taken a break of about five years and then reapproached the Hobbit with and a lot just more as time one and movie. Attention. It should have just been one and, movie. And it should have been one movie. That's right. That's um, that's where it just gets like to quote Bilbo uh, poetically here, it gets stretched over like butter over too much bread. Ooh. At, like like uh that's that's his analogy in Lord of the Rings. So it's like that, the that movie, should be the review. The, Stretched yeah, like butter over too much bread. Someone had to have made that. I guarantee someone had to have made that review. Um, <laughs> be <a> great meme. <laughs> comment. Um, but that's what it is. It's like when you watch it, it's not that. It's not terrible. It's not as bad as we're we're making it seem. The first it's one just, isn't bad, but then it, to me, the right, second it's, one. And the it's just one you have stupid. you have you have too little of a content stretched out over yeah. way too many hours. Yeah. And so you're inventing you're inventing storylines where there's a dwarf and an elf who are hooking up yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And it's like. Tolkien took those relationships really seriously in, you know, his legendarium, right? His, mm-hmm. When those relationships happen, there's a big emphasis on it. Like, and so with, with them to play fast and loose with a relationship like that, just to add it to this, like, you're just adding that because you have to fill up space. Right. Um, right. And I don't, no, exactly. I don't, pers- I'm not really big into that. that. That's a reason why I don't, I don't like the rings of power. Like I don't, they're just adding oh, the all Amazon, this. The Amazon Prime series. Yeah. And I'm fine it's with It's not because they again, had black hobbits uh, and black no. elves. <laughs> no, Tolkien, describes, just, Tolkien describes hobbits, one of the race of hobbits as being darker skinned than the others. Right. Like, so the, it is so, canon. It is part of it, the original yeah. Tolkien universe that there are. Well, black... it would have been that dark. Okay. Well, now you're just racist. <laughs> um, no, it's just because there's not enough attention paid to the lore. I think the character development is a little bit shoddy. The um, hobbits will not the, replace us. The hobbits the pace, will not replace us. The pacing's <laughs> bad. I don't know. I, I'm not excited for season two. Oh, is there a season know. two now? I thought it was over. No, they put so much money into this shit. They just got to film. Though they're going to keep going no matter what, huh? I guess. Press on Bezos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so. so, yeah, you know, so this is the thing too about... Um, we're, at the very beginning, we were talking about, you know, the challenges of adapting the source material like a book mm-hmm. into a, another medium like a film. And, you know, you do know, hopefully, you know, I think you have to, especially if you if this is a, a property that, you, you know, a book and a book series that you really, really love and you see that what's going to be made into a film, right? You have to understand that it will not be a page for page line for line, word for word. They're not going to film the book. that, And, and right. you don't want them to. Let's just be honest. You, you don't, don't want, want them to. to. If you no. did, that would suck. It's because they're to- two, two different mediums. 
And like, I see this all the time, you know, my, my big thing is Philip K. Dick. And, um, I think actually one of the greatest adaptations of a Philip K. Dick novel, uh, so like his novel, Do Andros Dream of Electric Sheep, um, the greatest adaptation of that novel is Blade Runner. But those are, they're completely different stories. They're almost inverse of one another. The story that Philip K. Dick, the author, is telling in the novel, the idea is that the androids or the replicants, um, they look human, they sound human, but they are not human. Because he was inspired, again, by World War II and the Nuremberg trials by like listening to the, the trials of these Nazi soldiers talking about that they couldn't sleep at night because these kids kept crying all night long in the, you know, in the concentration camp. And, and it was like, okay, that person I'm watching right now, this Nazi soldier, talk about this. He looks human, he sounds human, but he is not a human being, right? This is mm -hmm. like an android. So he, he was using that as an analogy in the novel. That was the point, is that if, if, hu if real, genuine humans aren't careful, if we lose our empathy, we will become like these androids or these replicants. In the movie Blade Runner, it's the opposite. It's it's the replicants who are more human, right? If you've seen the movie, Roy Batty is the most, you know, he shows mercy and kindness to, to Rick Deckard, who's trying to kill him and actually already killed three of his friends. Um, you know, it's like, so you see there's more humanity in in the android than there is in the human. Yeah. But it, even so, it, I, that's why I would say it's a great adaptation because it, in the end, it is still making the same point. It's just making it in a different way. And I think you have to have the freedom. If Again, if you're a fan of something like that, you have to hold loosely to the need to see the book on the screen and be willing to say, look, the director making the movie is doing their best to tell the story the best that they can visually. Um, and, and the narrative has to follow a different path. And their goal, if they do it well, they're, they're going to land sort of emotionally in the same place, even if they don't tell the exact same story. Yeah, so long as they respect where it's coming from, like yes. if they if they do it the right way and they respect the lore and they respect the source material, um, then yeah, then you do have to take those those liberties. You do have to make things work. You have to do, you have to move the narrative forward at different pacing. Yes, you have to. Um, yeah. You can only have so many characters on a screen in so long. So you have to have <laughs> yeah. some care. Like like Arwen plays a much bigger role in the films. Oh, yeah. That was one of the biggest in, complaints I heard from my friends. That never happened. Arwen didn't do that. Right. She was barely in the book. And now she's in the love yes. interest. And they have to make it a romance right. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shut up. I like It's a great part of the story. Right. But the the flip side of that the alternative is to have way too many characters on film in, in that like in a book your your pacing is slower cuz you're reading it yes so you can add characters you have time to think about all these things in a movie you're boom 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 you're on as long as the movies are 3 hours goes by quick you can't have 400 elves named Noldor <laughs> and Galdor and Geldor and Bildor and, and you're going to remember their yeah, who's that guy? Gonna, yeah. What did he do? Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, there, I mean, there's a there's a critic in every universe, in every fan base. Yeah. And there's got to be at least, I don't know, I'll throw a percentage out there, a third of them that are just always going to be that. Right. Like, they're always going to bitch, moan, and complain about something. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Nothing's ever going to be right. That's right. No, and, you see, the and, same thing yeah. happens, like, with Dune. Again, I never with read Dune, the Dune Star books. Wars. But but I love the movies, and, I, and again, all I hear from people online who are Dune purists, 
that character didn't say that. And, oh, this person didn't do this. And he's not supposed to be they're a the, woman and all that stuff. The, it's like, uh, shut they're up. They're the originalist constitutionalists. They are. They are the founding the, fathers. The founding fathers <laughs> did not say. Yeah, it's That's like, right. Okay. The plain truth of the Bible. They're the same people. Like, <laughs> That's it's right. always going to be that. that like, okay. Relax. Yes. The darker skinned hobbits wouldn't have been that dark, though. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh huh. We hear yeah. you loud and clear. Sure. Exactly. Your hoodie's looking a little pointy. <laughs> so relax, brother. The hobbits relax. will not replace us. Oh, man. The hobbits will not replace us. No, too short and too furry. Yes. Um, well, this is a good conversation. This was Did good. we mention yeah, we... God at all? Did we mention God once? That's and pretty not good. Really. We didn't... No, we did mention yeah. Jesus because Gandalf, the comparison with Gandalf and stuff. But Shoot. Darn it. Yeah. Well, we almost okay. got through a whole episode. That's all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Well. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for spending an hour of your time with us. Uh, we've got a lot of big things coming up, some changes, some projects, some new things. Lots of cool shit from Choir, so make sure to check that out. Subscribe to our newsletter. Go to choir.com. Subscribe there. Um, follow all the podcasts on the Choircast Network on your Please. favorite listening platform, Spotify, mm-hmm. the Tunes, where else? Rate and review this show. And uh, as always, don't be a dick. That's what we used to say on the Bonfire Sessions. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Then I made a book. They made it into a book. <laughs> All right, Keith, I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.